1: Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listener, gog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers.
2: Hello and welcome to Footballistically, Arsenal. I'm Boyd Hilton. I am joined by sidekick Josh Landy, resplendent in a hoodie in Soho house. Hi, Josh.
0: Boyd, great to be here. I am. Yeah, I've got the hood up for no particular reason. Just uh, hood up. It makes Just, you
2: look. It makes you look more like the avid gamer you are. And I say this because we have got a new um, sponsor on the scene. Um, And they're makers of premium gaming peripherals, HyperX. And they are offering UK-based customers 20% off their entire full-price gaming headset range throughout May. Terms and conditions apply. If you head on over to uk.hyperx.com to read the terms and conditions and use the discount code ARSENAL, that's Arsenal, that's an Arsenal Football Club, and footballistically Arsenal, once at the checkout. And we are using their glorious headphones. We were both sent um, uh, headphones, which are mainly for gaming, but they do function perfectly well, brilliantly, in fact, um, when you're recording podcasts like this. Anyway, we've got a lovely... We have the most topical guest in the history... I mean, he's on practically every other week, month anyway, but it's particularly topical this week this fortnight, because this man has spent the last fortnight meeting people like Boris Johnson, um, Keir Starmer, we've all met Keir Starmer, that's fine, Thierry Omri, Daniel Eck, Josh Kroenke. Uh, the list is endless and extraordinary. Tim Payton of Arsenal Supporters Trust fame. Welcome, Tim. Good evening. How are you feeling two weeks on from that, Moment when the uh, European Super League was mooted, it then fell apart within what 48 hours. You then ended up speaking to all these people, including most recently, I think Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira, Desper Camp and Daniel Eck and Josh Kronke. How, I mean, how are you feeling?
3: Exhausted. <laughs> no, it's been an unbelievable kind of roller coaster of emotions because I went from Such despair, really, when you think back on it, Think, really thinking, is this the end of the relationship with Arsenal Football Club? This is so wrong, so not what any of us believe in, that what what is going to happen? Obviously, you then throw yourself into the fight. um, And 36 hours later, you're talking to Boris Johnson about what it's like to be an Arsenal fan having once been a part shareholder in the fan share and having Stan Kroenke take that away and asking for his support to fight the Super League and to reform football, to which he gives a commitment to set up the fan-led government review, which is announced 48 hours later, to then having meetings with Josh Kroenke and the Arsenal board to sort of develop their apologies, but also to start to put forward ideas on what, fundamental change could come forward that could correct not only those mistakes, but perhaps how we all feel about our clubs, to then having the opportunity to set out what the Arsenal Supporters Trust think a future Arsenal should look like to someone who is interested in buying the club, which is a consortium of Daniel Ek and, as you mentioned, Thierry Henry, Dennis Perkamp and Patrick Vieira, alongside lots and lots of other meetings, I mean, amongst the others, with Premier League, with Football Association, with UEFA, with politicians, with Tracy Crouch, with the Football Supporters Association. But I must say, not not just myself, some amazing work of colleagues at the Arsenal Supporters Trust, through to the wonderful people who let their dining room be taken over to to stuff the more than 1,000 membership requests that came in in one day alone, through to, through to Akil, who... He's also doing an amazing media work and helping with the communication and others, making sure the website doesn't crash and covering other meetings. And most importantly of all, none of this would happen without the wonderful input, noise, p- passion commitment of Arsenal fans. Because why did the Prime Minister meet with us? Because football supporters are voters who made their voices heard, who said it wasn't acceptable in unison. And he responded to that. So that's a summary of what's been the most amazing fortnight and I think is going to be many more amazing days and weeks to come for Arsenal and for English football.
0: I think we should really credit you, Tim, because I'm so many people know that I know you and I've just been messaging going, you have been everywhere. Like you have been one of the faces of this giving up huge amounts of your time and your insight and knowledge in in terms of football governance is is, in, is incredible and better than m- m- the vast majority of people who we hear on radios uh, and on TV uh, and therefore seeing you sort of speak about it was such uh, Uh, authority on all these channels has been has been has been fantastic so well well done on that I I almost don't know where to start but we might as well start with the freshest aspect of this I mean Thierry was on Sky last night I I don't know if you if you saw it but it's amazing to think that you've done this one thing that a lot of people are interested in is why this is so public why would a billionaire like Daniel want to conduct this in public um and is there a you know possibility that's because they weren't
3: they weren't getting much back through normal channels, let's say? I think that could be possible, but I think that there is something about how he says how he wants to operate, and of course at the moment I must stress that the AST does not endorse his bid but are pleased that he chose to bring his ideas and what he wanted to do to us at the beginning of the process. And what he is saying is he thinks that the way Arsenal should be run and um, taken forward should involve fans and should be much more open and accountable. So he said to us that he thinks that if he wants to make a bid for Arsenal, he should tell fans that he's doing that. He should communicate with us and ask us to be part of the journey. So the message has been very much that he wants to bring back some of the Arsenal values. Now, of course, I'm sure he's seen what's happened in recent weeks um, and is he, and adapting to that, and that's all well and good. It's given the AST the opportunity to say to him, just like we're saying to others, including the Fronkies and others, that we have a vision of football club ownership going forward where supporters are always involved in the boardroom, be it for a supervisory board, be it through some kind of representation on the board itself, be it through a golden share, be it through the right to own shares that have voting rights. Something that... This is going... Can I do the occasional awful name drop in this? Something Thierry Henry said to me... Come on, Tim. Listen to it.
2: Look who you're talking to. Me.
3: (laughs) King (laughs) of the name drop. Name drop away. I'm I'm with with, with the only person... Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Thierry Henry said to me... If Arsenal fans had been on the board, the club wouldn't have joined the Super League. It's as simple as that. If you're a real Arsenal fan with custodian values, you would not have signed up for something so heinous, so against the culture and the ethos of what we all believe in. Now, I think you have to take with a pinch of salt any bid from a billionaire to own a football club, and you certainly don't sign on any dotted lines until you've had a lot more information. But when I hear someone who has a, you know, a proven business background with Spotify talking about being open to the idea of a golden share at Arsenal, talking about wanting supporters, to, if he is in charge of the club, to be involved and in consulted, talking about having gone to Henri Vieira and Bergkamp because they are Arsenal legends, I think he repeated back a phrase we put to him, the AST you've probably heard me when you politely let me on in quiet weeks banging on about things like the boardroom and the lack of Arsenal of DNA mm-hmm. and the lack of expertise and independence to drive a football club. To hear someone reflecting those views and values in a proposition for the club is very encouraging. Now, as I said, there's a lot more, a long way to go, and my absolute priority isn't actually the Daniel Eck bid. My absolute priority is the government review because I want. I want to try and get the government to introduce rules that means I don't have to rely on the goodwill of a Stan Cronkey or a Daniel Eck, All that our friends and rivals at Manchester United have to rely on the goodwill of the Glazers or the Fenway Group or so on. All football fans in this country deserve to be respected by their clubs, listened to by their clubs and have a say in the key decisions that affect their clubs. So that's what the AST will be fighting for in the weeks ahead.
2: I've been watching, I've been listening, sorry, Josh, I've been watching and listening to the supporters of the other big five, if you like, heavy quotes, the five breakaway clubs that were going to sign on to the Super League. I mean, apart from Spurs, who, as Gary never put it, (laughs) I don't care about them, as he put it in his famous (laughs) rant. But it's interesting, particularly like the Glazers, I've been very interested in what their fans have to say about the Glazers who are even worse if anything than the Cronkies. If you're talking about, you know, a lack of investment from that they they've take money out of they've the They've taken club. about
3: 900 million out of the club. 900
2: million incredible whereas the Cronkies only took they had that 3 million, didn't they? That fee they they in quotes, earned were paid for a few years in a row, and that yeah. stopped. I mean, they don't put any, any of their money in. But even more than that, when it comes to the communication factor, the Glazers have not yet, have they? Still, actually spoken to any club, rep, any fan representatives like you, whereas Josh Kroenke did. So you've had an, I mean, you've had a discussion with Josh Kroenke personally, you, AST and Josh Kroenke. Well, Doesn't so that immediately make the Kroenkes actually, in in the scheme of things, better than the Glazers?
3: Yeah, it's a low bar that you're sitting there, (laughs) Boyd. Least worst. (laughs) Not quite as bad. Yes, you're correct. I mean, you know, one of the reasons that I think you need to be incredibly cautious when prospective new owners come bearing gifts is in 2010, we secured and pushed for the commitment from Stan Kroenke to engage with supporters that was made in a takeover document. Stan Kroenke has not done one engagement or meeting with a supporter in any of that time and josh cronkey i think appeared at a fans forum three years ago and then reappeared last week where my colleague akil and some other fan members you know let them know i think very effectively what all of the arsenal fan base thought of their actions and behavior but some credit to josh cronkey in fact a lot more credit in that subsequent to that there was a small meeting of myself and and Akil for the AST and a couple of ASA representatives, just with Josh Cronkey and a couple of the Arsenal board, including Tim Lewis, who I think is the key member now. And we had a productive discussion around the AST's wish list of what we think has to change at Arsenal and at football because things can't carry on as they are.
2: So here's my question think- to you. Sorry, one more, one quick question. Sorry, Josh, I, I, I'm sorry. There's so much to to cover, in, and, and Tim's only got limited. Time. My question to you is this: If Josh Kroenke agreed to have regular dialogue with AST and, and supporters groups in general, right? Some kind. I, no, I noticed today Chelsea have announced they're going to have three supporter advisors attending board meetings from July onwards. They'll not have any voting rights and will not participate in meetings related to players, staff, and the academy but they will have their say, right? So say if the Cronkies did that and gave you a say, talked to you regularly, are you then saying that if they carried on their model of self-sustainment, whatever the phrase is, and, and did not put any money into Arsenal
3: at all, carried on that, that you'd be perfectly happy? I don't think perfectly happy, and I'd have to see more details about what Chelsea are proposing, but that sounds like a good step in the right direction, not least because then you could put forward Um, more ideas for reform one of the things the ast put to the arsenal board last week is we would like equity to be issued to supporters for two reasons one we think that by issuing equity you could tie it up with some golden share type voting rights so you could really reintroduce custodianship i don't think you can expect voting rights on the entire ownership entity because that's that's a lot for someone to give away without the financial value but also At the moment, we are told that Arsenal are really struggling with the pandemic and really struggling for investment. Now, what more empowering idea than maybe spending £100 on an Arsenal share that not only makes you a custodian for life, but puts £100 into the club? I would be insistent that it would have to be like an an equity-raising issue, but isn't that exactly the kind of partnership involvement we should have with our football clubs?
0: Do you feel that's realistic Tim, given that it feels it wasn't that long ago when there was a compulsory purchase of, you know, shareholders Arsenal. Do you you think you've obviously had, in a perverse way, it took the Super League not happening to even get to where you got in the last week or two. And maybe there's good to come out of, you know, what was clearly incredibly misguided, um, you know, plans. But do, do you get the feeling that... That you could get as much progress as that, uh, you know, or, or are you kind of being a little bit <coughs> more conservative in what you think is realistic to get I the
3: think we, to. I, think, I think we should push for that, Josh. I think we, I think yeah. fundamental change has to happen. And after all, we're not asking for that much. We're asking for what Arsenal had for most of their history. Are we saying yeah. when Arsenal had support shareholders for 70, 80% of the time of the club's life, but that was wrong? that you weren't possible. I seem to remember watching Arsenal be a lot more successful with a plurality of supporter shareholders than it is now. Now, of course, times change. I think it's absolutely valid. Um, And, you know, uh, there is somebody who has appeared this week saying they want to own Arsenal, who wants to do that model, or at least says they want to bring forward ideas of how they would do that model. My message to Stan Kroenke and Josh Kroenke is do that now you he said he wanted to build bridges what better way to build a bridge than to allow us as supporters to once again own the destiny of our great club
0: i agree in the in the mentality on it i would be one of the first to try and get some kind of ownership of being an amazing thing it's one thing having a season ticket but to, to feel like you've got something more significant would, would be uh would be amazing just Another question, then having spoken to the Cronkies um, and also had this call with, with Daniel Eck. I mean, an in- incredible must be slightly surreal couple of couple of weeks, like you say. The the general vibe and, and message has clearly been we're not selling. How do you feel that? How true do you feel that is? And with Daniel Eck, like buying something like Arsenal is an incredibly complex possible purchase and is not done usually in a tweet on a Friday night like how much due diligence how far along how long have they been working on this do you get any sense that this is like actually been a year or two in the planning and not just opportunist on the back of the Super League failure
3: okay let me take two questions there the first question these are unprecedented times for English football yesterday the Premier League put out a statement with two extraordinary things in it. The first is that they are changing their rulebook to make it, in effect, to make it impossible to break away, to join a franchise league. They're also going to include within that rulebook, but following consultation with the AST and other groups, it's kind of citizen-type commitments that owners are going to have to sign up to. So there's going to be a lot more control on the behaviour of owners. They've also asked the government to introduce legislation to back up that rule book in the courts. Now, what that does is that really closes down permanently all the ideas of breakaways, franchises, what I think we knew that probably the Glazer and Cronky model was all about. They not really care about the English pyramid and solidarity and sporting merit. They're quite happy, in my view, to let Arsenal come eighth every year, but be guaranteed entry into a lucrative Champions League every year that you're guaranteed entry, n- no risk or reward. That model is shattered. Do they still want to stay in a model where there's a lot less capital gain and profit to be made? Because one of the things, and it's been really refreshing, working with other supporter groups and listening to Arsenal fans, is this commitment that all fans have to a a revenue sharing and sustainable Premier League. I think we all know that it's incredibly frustrating to have a week where you draw with Fulham and lose to Everton. But we also know that that's what makes the Premier League valuable and worth watching. That sense of jeopardy that you have to earn your success. Now that I think is good for the game, and we're going to see the remaining 14 Premier League clubs push more for more revenue sharing and a more competitive league. What that makes Stan Cronkey think of his long-term intent to be an English footballer? I think there's a far bigger question mark because the, the sort of guaranteed growth is no longer there. The growth will go into the game, not into the owners. So I think. I think it's much more unpredictable to say, is a club for sale or what might happen? On your second question, I did say to Danuick Eck, I would be totally against any sort of buyout which was leveraged on the club or involved borrowing against the club and got a commitment that that wasn't what was happening. I expect he will seek to raise funds or find a partner in the market. Now, I can't vouch for that. I don't have that signed on the dotted line, and that's why there would never be any endorsement of a bid until you've seen that. But you can only take the answer that you're given and challenge on it. So at the moment, the commitment has been given that there would not be any leverage debt. By the way, I would be part of a representation to the government review that says, I think that the rules should be changed to make it illegal in effect, not allowed to buy a club leveraging the debt. Because that's what the Glazers did. You know, they borrowed against Manchester United. It's mm. just an appalling, appalling way what? of operating.
2: What what is your your the first point was i find fascinating because i I've, I've been saying this what now what is what the hell is there in owning arsenal for the kronkites because sure everyone assumed that their long term um, goal was as you say to make money out of some kind of super league or at the very least to make more money out of selling tv rights for individual arsenal games but that all of that that kind of power has totally slipped away they've kind of by, by by agreeing to join the Super League, by coming up, with, helping coming up with the Super League, they've completely exploded their own point in owning Arsenal, haven't they? What the what is the point now? They've shot They're themselves money, in they? every. They've
3: shot themselves in every foot that they've got. So but in actually, that, so this in those is why terms, in this, in this roller coaster I talk of, because I actually thought you know they were bullying UEFA, not just Arsenal but the big clubs, and there was this. I don't know how much people listening will know, but the next iteration of the Champions League was going to have ten games at the group stages. Yeah. It was going to have wild card picks to make sure the big teams got in. It was going to eat, concentrate the revenue even more amongst the big teams. It it was it was a sort of super league in all but name. And then they pushed for even more. But I think that will unravel on them. But you know, when we when we take breath, we're going to go to UEFA and say, stop, we don't want more group games in the UEFA um, Europa League or the Champions League. Give us give us less football, but better quality. Don't charge us as much. But absolutely, Boyd, your your main question here is they've lost control, they've lost the power and the destiny. Do you know that um Vin Arsenal's um CEO, but all of the others, they've been kicked out of all the Premier League committees. Yeah, they're still yeah. there as a vote because they're part of the Premier League, but they have they are not involved in the decision making. They've right. left the ECA. So Vinny made a big thing about how wonderful he the job he'd done getting himself elected as a board member of the European Club Association. Then he resigned it last Monday, and on Tuesday, so he's nowhere. He's sitting nowhere in a voice about how UEFA restructured, but fundamentally that does undo the entire cronky business model.
2: I've got, right now, here's my here's my question. Honestly, I, I feel like uh, t- t- you know, I feel like. All these other clubs, I think it's fascinating that I think it's great that the supporters, trusts, and associations are all talking to each other and everything. But you, they're also, they're, there's an interesting comparison, isn't there? With like, for example, FSG at Liverpool, I feel like the thing they've done this this joining the Super League has completely um, ruined their relationship with the fans, which was going pretty damn well, considering they got Klopp. They've spent, you know, th- their spending has been pretty superb um their recruitment they won the fucking league and the champions league i mean you know what complaint could liverpool have then you have then you have our situation in which we have an american billionaire who doesn't put any of his own money in you have um Sheikh mansour owning man city basically a kind of dictatorial state you know, a Man City fan's absolutely thrilled, delighted, apparently, uh, uh, with that. And yet, there's a huge amoral void, as far as I can make out, in that ownership. But Bramovich the same. I mean, you know, there's constantly books coming out where he tries to stop people talking about how he acquired his wealth. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm saying, like, is this idea of morality kind of completely pointless? Isn't it true? If we we're honest with ourselves, right? If if the Cronkies had bought the club as they did and invested hundreds of millions more than they have and in fact, they've actually we've actually spent quite a lot haven't we on players but even more and if we'd had success if we'd won the league in that time even with all the, them ignoring fans wouldn't we we would've been a lot happier wouldn't we like doesn't oh. it actually come down to success is
3: what i'm saying on the pitch undoubtedly success is a big big factor and if you are doing well when a lot of a lot of sins are forgiver but what was encouraging me in many ways was I didn't see those Chelsea fans roll over and accept the Super League. All those Manchester City fans, they rolled up their sleeves sure. and they were with us when the pay per view charge of fifteen pounds that we had to fight off five months ago came in. They were there with us as well. And I hear you. You know, I hear lots of frustrations about how they're dealt with, with their, by their clubs. Although I accept that you know they are in a situation where performances, results and investment will will give them more to be happy about. What? But it, we could go wider than that. I, Newcastle fans could, could could come on all night and talk about being under the ownership of Mike Ashley. It doesn't just have to be overseas investors of, of either, you know, Gulf mm. states or American franchises to treat people appallingly or go to Berry, or go to Macclesfield or some of the outrageous stories of people asset stripping and doing down clubs in the lower leagues. What I think we need is a is a reset that puts fans back in the driving seat at every club. Because we are a football community. You know, Arsenal don't exist without Spurs. There's no, you know, do they? We all know that. Yeah. You, don't, you don't exist without a league table to play each other, and you don't exist without league tables to go up and down. So But if fans we... are
2: in the driving seat of Man City and they would not have had this opportunity to win all the trophies they've won under Sheikh Mansour's ownership do you think they'd really really rather have fan power driving that that ownership rather
3: than Sheikh Mansour what I do know is that and I've been talking to Manchester City fans this week they still want more of a say in the club now they might not want to get into the club to sort of get rid of the owners but they would still like that boardroom involvement they would still like more consultation it might be much more about the price of the family enclosure and what filling you get in the pie. Now I'm being a bit flippant there, but there's absolutely lots and lots of things that they'd like to be involved in. You can still be a Manchester City fan and get done in by a Monday night TV game that Sky picks 600 miles away um, and so on. So different degrees, but I, I don't mm. think you'll find the supporters anywhere that wouldn't like greater involvement and say in their clubs. Now, if everything's going really well... I mean, I can imagine that boardroom meetings at Arsenal in 2004 were fairly harmonious.
0: Yeah, Tim, what,
3: what do you think's
0: going to happen if we look six months from now? What do you think happens? I mean, is the Cronkay still there? Has Has Daniel made a bid? Is it just been rejected well, out of hand? Well, you know, I, are you going to be on a monthly meeting with the Cronkies? What do you What do you think in six
3: months' time? <laughs> Start <of> next season. <laughs> I tell you where we'll be in six months' time. I'll be asking to come on your show again to motivate people to put responses into the government with you because it will be about concluding its deliberations, and then the prime minister will be considering what to do. I'll be tapping into you to tap into some of the wonderful guests you have over the years to do things like sign letters and write articles and and promote change this won't happen overnight this requires football rule book changes regulators being introduced legislation in parliament and pressure on the club and of course when things calm down there's a danger that some of the things we don't like to see slip back so that, that the message is in six months time we'll still be calling for the same basic principle. But the basic principle now is quite clear. It is supporters ought to have a greater say in the running and ownership of their clubs.
2: And if we go out of the uh, Europa League on Thursday against Villarreal, what do you think should happen to our manager?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> one of the things I think it was important to say is that having supporters on the board shouldn't mean having supporters anywhere near picking the team Mm. you know you it's the custodian decisions it's the big strategic decisions about joining breakaway leagues or no longer playing in Islington or changing the club colors and other such decisions where how much the choice of who the manager should be falls into the picking team or is a strategic decision giving a sort of it's, it's a really difficult one. You you guys have known that whenever I come on, I do a slightly sort of tongue-in-cheek, occasionally re- re- referred to the, the, the manager as the intern or the rookie, because mm. I've always yeah. had a worry. As much as I like his character and I can see strong traits in him, I, I've always had a worry that not, for anybody it's too much to come into a club like Arsenal, particularly a club like Arsenal with the issues it has. And... Be the manager. And I think we've seen that this year. What I really don't know at the moment, Boyd, is is a change as good as a rest? Um, ask me that. I think we will get through tomorrow night. So let's let's put the question on ice for a few more weeks and not tomorrow, but later in the week. And yeah, let's okay. really, really, really focus on us getting on us getting through. Um, looking at other clubs and the record tends to to show me that on the whole, given the more time or don't be so ruthless, it might get better, doesn't pay off as often as going out and getting a good person.
2: Yeah. I mean, look at Thomas Tuchel. I mean, what a a transformation. I often do think,
3: you know, that game against Chelsea where you tend to think that, you know, if they'd have beaten us, it might have been a managerial decision the other way round. Yeah. When, when, in effect, they had the same situation with Lampard, didn't they? He'd done a year at Derby, but he was, yeah. you know. And you do wonder if, if that result had gone the other way round, if it would have totally changed the fortunes this season.
2: Um, before you go, what did you think of Boris Johnson in your meeting? Because wasn't it true? Wasn't it true that um, Glazer had a meeting with Boris Johnson, didn't he? Like, no, the, would is that true?
3: Would, Ed Woodward, who is the MD, right. had apparently gone into Downing Street and met the Chief of Staff a few days before to try and sort of soothe over a, a neutral position or some support for the Super League, as I understand it, I don't know. In the meeting that I was in, and I wouldn't necessarily expect to be a view, but Boris Johnson was was very commanding. He did something which I, you, you guys know I do, I've done a lot of work in politics as a professional job and advisor over the years, he did the absolute one thing, which I think is really important for a politician, and he didn't pretend to be a football fan because you can smell him from a hundred yards, mm-hmm. can't you? The, the David Cameron, Aston West Ham type yeah. thing, confusing, and, and and the Tony Blair sitting on the Gallagher end, and like, you know, they haven't put seats on the Gallagher end for like 15 years after he'd stopped what possibly watched. So he started off by saying, I'm not a football fan but I understand how important it is to so many people. I think you are some of the country's greatest assets and it's where social cohesion comes. And that's why I am going to stop this awful league. And he was very animated. And he said, I, you know, I'm not having any more of this. I will introduce a legislative bomb. And when I, I I actually remember saying to him, I said, you must also get the government review going. I said, Tracy, Um, Crouch would be a fantastic chair I remember saying that you know she despite the fact she's a Spurs fan she'll be wonderful and he got that joke and it's it's true she is absolutely a Spurs season ticket holder used to coach football is a fantastic advocate for the game I really think she'll champion fans and um, so I would say the Prime Minister delivered exactly what as football fans and we were looking for but a politician is a politician. Never trust them until they've acted. So we've got to keep the pressure on when Tracy Crouch's report goes back to him so that he brings it to Parliament and acts on it.
2: And is there going to be a protest before the game on Thursday? Is that seen... I,
3: I don't know about that. And, and the Arsenal Supporters Trust will always support anyone's right to have a view, have an opinion, protest. It should always be peaceful, of course. It should always be within the laws of the land. I don't think we're going to make any particular focus on Thursday. There's a very big match to concentrate on and put our energies into winning. But we are looking at doing some activity at the game against Brighton when of course there will be fans legitimately able to attend the stadium and won't that be wonderful? But we think that the message must be conveyed there. And our message is quonky out fans in. It's very deliberate because what we're saying is that it's not just a case of get rid of Quonky and wish anyone comes in because you could get a lot worse. It's got to be about fans in whatever the ownership structure is, back to sounding like a broken record now, but back to 50 plus one, or seats on the board, or supervisory board, or regular liaison and dialogue. And it's not inconceivable that you could have Cronky in fans in if he is prepared to give up and share both some of the ownership structure and some of the engagement. So in some ways, over to you, KSE, let's see what you can come up with
2: absolutely yeah and what did we think of the, uh, the that man U demonstration that stopped the game against liverpool on sunday i mean it has to be considered you know i'm not you know apart from the th- no one throwing things at you know um, the, the commentators and a few things that, that went awry. but in general that is, that's a very powerful statement isn't it the fan power that they can stop one of the biggest games of the season um, and, and i thought draw we people's saw
3: attention wonderful, i thought we saw wonderful fan power at the arsenal game
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, against Everton, all all sort of, you know, people, and you very kindly talked about the role I've been able to play in the last few weeks, but that's only because Arsenal fans have mobilised and the media wants to talk to someone who can articulate that, and hopefully I do a better job of that than bad and get invited back and have the Arsenal Supporters Trust role, but I wouldn't be able to do that without the wonderful effort and work of Arsenal fans. Do you know the Arsenal complaint system almost collapsed on day one from responses? People writing blogs, your podcast, other people's podcasts, all of it. And it what we've shown is that we've got a voice and we must use it. And I thought the vast, vast, vast majority of Manchester United fans, that was wonderful. That showed that they cared for that club. That sent a message that, you know, peaceful protest, make, showing people that this cannot go on. I absolutely endorse it and we must take the message to the media to parliament to the owners peacefully but forcefully
0: i I think it was incredible just you know liverpool manchester united is the fixture around the world that that is the game where wherever you know midnight in asia middle of the middle of a night in australia that is the game that will get the most eyeballs across the world so even if it was just um raising the issue maybe more to international supporters who have not made, necessarily picked up on quite how serious a story it was here in the UK um, will have done so. And, uh, I mean, to get a Premier League game called off, I, I'm not sure it's ever quite happened in these circumstances before, which, you know, wh- what are not we now? So. 28 years into the Premier League, to get new things happening is is, is pretty incredible. So, um, yeah, the violence, obviously, you know... <laughs>
3: Well, I, the only way we're saying. going to beat that, I've already got a plan. I thought we might parachute Boyd into the Emirates.
0: Yeah, for yeah what? that'll
2: work. <laughs> for what? As a symbol of peaceful demonstration. <laughs> okay. Just yeah, make sure I'm you up don't...
3: Don't miss the stadium, boy. It's quite a big. <laughs> I would target. definitely, I would I'm
0: definitely, Mister Stadium. Terrible <laughs> memories of what happened at Villa Park. Uh, oh, I yeah, do remember rest, that game. Rest yeah. his soul, the Santa Claus. Um, well, no, Tim. We, we know that you are very much in demand, and I know you. You mentioned you're, you're difficult on time tonight. So, thank you for uh, for being with us and uh, continue the sterling work that you have done uh, for all football supporters, and we'll continue to do so uh, in the months ahead.
3: Thank you yeah, Thank you
0: for Tim. having me on. We'll take a break and we'll
2: be back after this break to talk Arsenal on the pitch. Cheers, Tim. Bye-bye.
1: If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen... Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF
2: And we're back from the break. So it's just me and me now, Josh. Um what let's quickly I mean we, we haven't had a podcast since um last Thursday, since the first leg against Villarreal when the manager went for that crazy maverick, ludicrous no striker. Um, lineup, which was a disaster and in which he was saved entirely. His bacon entirely saved by Bukayo Saka getting that penalty and Pepe scoring in it. Then we had a much better display and admittedly absolutely atrocious Newcastle team. What the? F- how are you feeling now? I mean, I, I asked Tim whether he think, thought if we go out of the Europa League on Thursday whether the manager should go. What do you think?
0: It's a massive game just for us, isn't it? It, it, it is genuinely... You know, because we've had years, haven't we, in the past where European qualification has really been on the wire. Um, you know, everything has gone down to the last couple of games of a season or the last game of a season, and we've always found a way. But that is also the situation on Thursday night. We lose, and we are, you know, not quite mathematically, but to all extents and purposes, we are we are out of Europe. I don't think the manager will go, and I probably think he shouldn't quite go if we if we lose on Thursday night um I still feel that there is there is enough credit in the bank from from finding a way to win the FA Cup last year um to warrant a a proper off season to to continue to to develop and uh, and slightly change the squad but if there is not signs of improvement within the first couple of months of next season and we are finding ourselves in a similar league position, then, yeah, they're not. at that point, I think I'd be calling. But I, I feel I'm not sure I'm in the majority anymore. It feels like a lot yeah. has come yeah. to the end of their tether with him.
2: I think last Thursday was, I think the well, the problem was he, he that, that was a real breaking point for a lot of people. That was a real, yeah. you know, his tactics, his team selection was so crackpot and so kind of you know um overthought it was exactly what we feared you know I feared I think I, I think I tweeted it you know like the day before I'm not saying oh you know how clever I am I think every loads of fans were thinking because Lacazette and all weren't available he might do something crazy when he had Martinelli to play he could literally just play Martinelli up front. It was such a simple thing to do. And um for him not to do Orin that to, I mean Ketia. right exactly yeah. or in exactly. um was insane and that kind of slight, I think there's a slight childish arrogance to him sometimes, which particularly comes out in post-match interviews after games like that, when he gets very defensive and he almost cuts, if you watch him, I watched him and he almost cuts the interviewer short, every question like, no, go with that. I know you and like, you're almost like they're beneath him. It's beneath him to be challenged. And I think that Thursday was such a terrible <laughs> performance by him rescued by a couple of the players that if we now go out this on this Thursday, it depends how it happens, right? But for me, if we go out in ignominious style, as in something happens like Shaka's playing at left back and he gets and he fouls too much and he gets th- sent off, as he could easily have done against Newcastle. Remember, he was lucky to not get sent off, right? Remember that. If we have that kind of disaster and we then lose quite comfortably, I think I think the, the pressure for him to go will be huge. Whereas. You know if we if it goes to penalties, which is quite likely because I think we're incredibly well matched with Villarreal. If you look at the stats on that game, that first game, it's incredible how it was literally 50 50 like, um, you know, um, uh, uh, on the ball for between the two teams. Um, if we go out on penalties, then fine, you, you're not gonna, you know, if it's a valiant effort, they're not fine, but I mean, we will be gutted and disappointed and furious. but then I think the the clamour for him to go won't be quite as big. Do you see what I mean? And then if we get to the final, I I mean, anything can happen against Man United, can't I? I mean, Man United is definitely going to be in the final. They've scored six goals in their semi-final. Either of us, you know, whatever happens in that final, it's almost like getting to the final feels to me like the thing that he really needs to do. But... I think if the kind of mistakes happen in his team selection and tactics, and the individual errors that we've seen happen in these next two Europa League games, then I think it's going to be very difficult for him. And I feel like, as Tim was alluding to, what have we got to lose? You know, really, won't he have proved? He kind of will have proved himself that he's too flawed, a too inexperienced to
0: spend that much time on almost. You, you can see the argument. You, you know, if you, if you were in a court of law and it was Arteta in the stand, you were deciding on his fate. You can make a hell of an argument for that. We've we've had enough. There have been that many crap performances where you could point the finger and, and, and argue. How on earth can this be turned around? I sort of feel the manner of the two-one defeat has has given me more confidence than a regular 2-1 defeat, might be, but because we were so close to being 3-0 down and completely out of it and, you know, feeling like Ceballos is sending off had completely cost us the tie and we've thrown it away, that we came back to only lose 2-1 and that Aubameyang had a really decent opportunity to actually make it 2-2, what makes me think if we could just put on a slightly decent performance that we have seen in Fizz and Stars this season – then we'll be okay. Because you're right, we entirely matched them. We, we had a slightly more possession. We had the same amount of shots, same amount of corners on a terrible night where, 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 where that first half, we yeah. were dreadful. Yeah. So, possession, that's the word I was grasping for just now. Thanks. It, it gives me enough belief, actually, that we, we can turn it around. And, we, and with the bookmakers, we're slight underdogs, but it's it's basically a coin flip or not too far off. We're slight underdogs to to redeem yeah. it. And... Yeah, can he, can he get away with the thought process of putting Xhaka again there? You'd like to think not. Like Cedric must think, well, why was I thrown in at left back for all these games? And now, yeah. you know, uh, he I. Could I'm behind, like, he, could su- he could play soccer there. He could play. He could play. Oh, he's got two sucker. options. And there was cryptic uh, Instagram Tierney content today, he's implying that yeah. maybe. Tiny trained. Yeah, you but you just wonder to throw him into a game having not played. I know, I start, know. Not, I wonder if they're also just trying to, you know, cause a bit of doubt in the in the mind of our former manager. So to do that, and then, well, w- w- we know we're certainly not going to see no recognised striker, right? I, none of us can, you know, imagine a scenario where, again, we've got this kind of Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Pepe situation where you know we we don't have a recognised striker uh, and a uh you know has presumably proven his fitness and scored a nice goal took it took it well Sunday and then you just think well why not why, why can't we win I you know I, I'm going to be upbeat and you're exactly right getting to the final even if we were to lose it is still a slight f- you know feather in the cap to go well I took them to an FA Cup final it's a feather in the cap we, the odds. We, yeah. We then can't lose it like
2: we did against Chelsea. If, it, if it's in you know, a fairly even final, and we if we show up and we and we you
0: know then have I you think seen? It's I okay. mean, there's talk of. I mean, the fans are going to be at this Europa League final. It's it's an intriguing situation where the you know because the clubs are going to be given two thousand tickets each. You know, there's obviously huge uncertainty about travel and, and green list, but it, it's bizarre that in what twenty two days' time, there's a potential of. Not only be able to see an Arsenal game this season, but potentially being able to see it in a foreign country. Are you, are you in, Boyd? If there's a, if there's a way of of doing it, are you are you tempted? I'm tempted. Yeah, tempted. Definitely. Yeah. Um. It'd be strange yeah. though. The only game of the season you saw would be. Uh, well, you. I, I don't know. Obviously, the. Brighton I'm game assuming I'll as well. get to the
2: Brighton game. I'm assuming I'll get to the Brighton game. I've well, got indeed, an email club, about it. Club today. level
0: priority. Presumably, yeah. I mean, for,
2: uh, for those uh, yeah. I'll be in the ballot, and I'd I'll, 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 I'll hope I I'll get to the Brighton game, but. Um, yeah, it would be incredible, wouldn't it? I mean, let's not count our chickens, though, because
0: um, you know. no, I, I, am just, um, just the manner, the manner of our performance out there makes you think well if we've managed to come away only losing by goal and we're getting an away goal, we, we've got something in there. Um, so I, I actually yeah. think we're going to get through. What do you feel we will, or are you a bit downbeat on it?
2: Um, I think it's going to go to penalties. I do. I've got that. I've oh, got. Wow. But uh, in which case. I mean he might he might not play Leno. You know, there's the whole l- rumour about Leno wanting to leave. We haven't really touched upon that. Um, you know. A- after throwing the ball in his own net, I mean, I have to say, talking about cocky, arrogant people, I mean, I would have thought he would have kept a low profile, but apparently not. And he's, you know, he's clearly stories have been put around him with sleeves. So I wonder whether I wonder whether you play Leno. I mean, there must be some kind of decision to make, but I think we'll go through on penalties. That's my thing. I think we'll scrape through somehow. Yeah, I do. I, I can't conceive. I'm in that mood where I can't conceive of ourselves. Uh, our, our entire season being ruined
0: come Thursday. For some reason, I'm clinging on. Well, well that's I think, already like Sunday, seven o'clock West Brom feels like, one of the least appealing matches to watch is a real time. But I mean, it will feel like there's enthusiasm for that game if we've won. And if there is the Europa League and there's there's still to play for, but the feeling of the last four Premier League games of, of chasing down trying, you know, ninth. I mean, that is a bleak May that we could have. Um, yeah, I mean it, it it is isn't it? It's it's the biggest game we've had in a in a very long time and it feels like so much rests on it and I mean you might be right. I mean this you know it could be the beginning of the end for Arteta if it if it goes south. Mm. What's your what do you think will happen then? Um I think Arsenal we'll win 3-1 and it will be hellish. And it will be like, if we can see, in the, you know, the end, we, we are not only, you know, we're, we're out. And I think it's going to be a, an incredibly intense, horrible night, but that we will advance. And I, I don't know where the confidence has come because if you need a reality check, you only need to look at the league table to remember what's happened so far this season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just about of the opinion that we are going to sneak ourselves through, and that you and I are going to be in Gdansk in 22 days' time, enjoying a few pints.
2: Let's hope so. And the little bad uh, we have to predict Arsenal v West from them on Sunday. I mean, just to, just to kind of bring it all down.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like the most exciting, uh, game to predict, doesn't it in a way? And obviously, you know, West Brom have been, you know, much improved of, of late. I think only lost one of the last five, but, um, it could all be over in terms of, I think we can, we can pretty much send them down or obviously for other results, Burnley, Newcastle, um, you know, so if some other clubs pick up points, it could already be done. And, I suspect so much of uh, the prediction feels like uh, how Thursday night has gone. So, um, you know, West Brom will have to go for it. I, I don't know. 1-1, I, I, one, one. I, 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 I'm very unsure, but I, I'm not convinced. Well, I'll go 1-0, Boyd. Um, I'm going to go
2: two one. I think we we'll win. We we'll win that. Yeah, but it's really it's all about Thursday. It's all about Thursday. It is we'll all see.
0: about Thursday. I mean, it's such a shame not to uh, that the uh, fans in the stadium has not quite come just about early uh, early enough. Um, but
2: yeah, um, and in fact, we could so easy have had fans of that game without without any um, health concern whatsoever i'm saying as an expert on the covid and, and, the, and the global pandemic i feel it could have been absolutely fine to have fans in the stadium anyway um, thanks josh uh, thanks to tim payton for joining us earlier and um wow yeah let's uh, let's hold our breath for the next 48 hours and see what happens we'll be back next week bye, <laughs> bye.
0: this
2: is a playback media production To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.